Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. My guest today is a consummate digital leader. What do I mean by that? He has led many digital transformation programs. He's a visionary and has the enviable trait of being able to conceptualize change in a traditional environment, as well as successfully action it. He's had over 20 years experience in his field of expertise, and he will provide my listeners with some critical thinking and analysis on where we are today in this revolution and with the construction industry angle. How intriguing. A first at Heads Talk, and we are looking forward to this conversation. But before we get into that, here's a message from our sponsors. Privcap Resources Group is a fast-growing Canadian-based private capital leaders platform, facilitating access to investment insights, resources, and capital for its members. It runs senior-level forums on private equity, venture capital, and real estate under the brand name The Club Series in North America and the Euros Forum in Europe. Go Real 2021, its up-and-coming private equity real estate forum, will be held online this spring. For details, please visit us at www.clubseries.org. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Inform, create, schedule, collect, report. Web-based software apps that improve efficiency by reducing costly and often repetitious admin time, by enabling organizations and contractors to create online bespoke templates for their specific inspection and survey processes. Visit us at www.zantib.co.uk. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Keld Jesperson has worked in construction, electronic manufacturing, transportation, and technology industry for over 20 years. He is currently the group head of digital in the Libra Group, where he develops and manages the digital strategy across the whole group's business units. So there may be a bit of coverage on construction, mining equipment manufacturing, aerospace even, and transportation systems, as well as the digital technologies that underpins them. At the heart of this, Keld has a master's in a very complex engineering specialization, process engineering. Presumably, it was here he honed in on his innovative and strategic approach to his work today. To add to some of Keld's experiences and breadth of activities, he's an acclaimed international conference speaker on digital transformation, and in the past has worked for NATO as a liaison officer in the Danish battalion, stationed in Bosnia and Croatia before, during, and after the signing of the Dayton Peace Agreement. The feedback I get from his peers is that he can work at all levels. He's a strategist, a change initiator, and a leader who's not afraid to change the status quo. He is as equally versed on the traditional business operations as he is on digital technologies that are disrupting the industry. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kel to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today, Kel. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to go dive right into detail here. I would like your take on things here. Um, this quote um, got my attention and I would like you to elaborate on this. It's a very general statement and I quote, we need to make sure we are actually making things better rather than making things digital. These two things are not the same. 
This is a quote by Dan Sheldon. Okay, it was done in 2015, but I think it still applies today. My question to you is, how do you avoid getting that message lost in this big drive for digitalization? Assuming you agree, can you provide us with examples of where this has been sacrificed, i.e. things made digital, but not necessarily better? Yeah. I don't. Maybe I'll, I'll start from, from the other angle. I think uh, to avoid making things uh, digital for the sake of making digital, but what what I try to, to drive in in the roles that I have is really to look at what is a customer problem that we are trying to solve. And and I agree. I have seen a, a number of projects where where you you sit back and you you ask yourself afterwards why why was this uh, project even launched. And you, you, you come to the conclusion that it was really driven by the technology rather than being driven by, by what customers or users uh, actually wanted. So, 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 so I guess what, what I'm trying to, to get across with, with the teams that I work with, it is to say, how do we, how do we make sure that, that we are solving real customer problems and then not something that is, you could say, perceived or out of the blue and, and you do it just because you, just because you can. Um, so, so uh, it's probably if, if somebody would, would have been <laughs> listening to me over the years, the, the question <laughs> I, I probably asked the most times is what is, what is the problem we're trying to solve with what we're doing? Um, and if we're not able to, to articulate that in a good way, maybe it's not a real problem that we are working on. So, so, so I think, I mean, that the, the quote is, is absolutely actual today and, and it's, I think as as digital leaders, it's something that we all need to, to be aware of that we are that we should not be driven by the technology, but by by the, by solving real problems. Indeed, indeed. Um, let, let's move on. Um, Leader Group, where you work, is a, a leading global manufacturer of construction equipment. It's been around for over seventy years. Presumably, seeing a, a lot of changes in in terms of the capabilities of various equipment. I've seen articles hailing Lieber's launch of a, a new era of machine communications. It's not just simply automating processes, rather AI, IOTs, RPAs involved are being used um, to, to optimize value. What has digitalization brought that completely changes the way things are done in the Lieber group? For example, what is it doing on a construction site? Hmm. Yeah, so, so I think if, if we can start from a, a, a sort of a top uh, level, I think what digitalization has really changed that is to, to broaden the view of a lot of the people that we have in the organization. So whereas maybe 20 or 25 years ago, our, our engineers and then salespeople and then whoever else would be focusing on how do we develop the, the next uh, machine? How do we uh, get in touch with our customers? Uh, again, now we have a lot more information about how the customers are using our equipment on a job site. And, and our, our people need to be able to have that conversation with the customers. How does it play into to their overall processes? So, so it's not just an individual uh, machine doing one job anymore. It's really part of, a, of an entire uh, system. And, and if our machines will not play into that system, then we will lose uh, the competitiveness that, uh, that, that we have. So, so that's something that, that we work acutely on to, to continue to, to be relevant. Um, yeah. Okay, and um, let's continue with the theme of competitiveness and, and, and let's talk about data. Um, when we think and talk about your organization in sort of in a layman's way, one looks at 
the construction and machinery side of things. However, Libra Group is one of the organizations that is leading and maximizing value with customer-facing AI. Can you tell me all about this and perhaps provide my listeners with examples of the successes of this initiative? Yeah, so, so maybe I'll, I'll take an example that is not directly from, from construction um, just to, to broaden the scope a little bit. Um, but from our, our household appliances division, we, we are working a lot on on getting all the data that we get back from, from our appliances more in, in the professional setting, not so much in, in the private setting. But there it's really critical. I mean, a lot of people have become aware now about the importance of the, the cold chain. Now we are talking about the COVID vaccines and, and all mm -hmm. that, but that's also uh, very important in, in the food uh, and, and retail industry. So, so making sure that the supermarkets can keep their, their, their goods uh, cool and, and making sure that that their freezers and coolers they, they are working as, as they should. Um, so, so we use we use uh, all our data we get from from those appliances and, and we we put on on our algorithms and um, mm -hmm. and AI to understand uh, when there is a you could say when it's time for maintenance if there's an upcoming failure that that, that needs to be repaired before the, the goods spoil. Um. In your work, there appears to be a lot of um, partnership developments and collaborations that you are driving or have driven in the past. In this digital age, um, how's this modified and what is being merged with, partnered with, and to what end? Yeah, it, again, it's, it's a very broad and very complex area. And, and in Libra, we have been working with, with collecting data from, from machines for, for well over 10 years, uh, 12 years, maybe even 15 years. Um, so it's not new to us to, to understand uh, uh, how the machines are working and, and remotely get the data. And then you could say that technology has evolved over the past 10 or 15 years. So obviously some of the technology that we used back then is, is no longer, you could say, state of the art or, or, or no longer uh, optimal. So what I what I've seen in, in our areas and other, other areas too is that there's this um, increase of specialization. Um, so obviously it's it's not efficient for for a company uh, like a construction equipment maker to also you could say host data and become a, a data warehouse. So that's uh, you can say other people or other companies emerge as as better and uh, cheaper and more efficient at that. Such as, as Microsoft, Google, and, and Amazon, uh, mm -hmm. the most uh, the most known ones. Mm -hmm. So obviously, our our role it is to to identify the right partners with the right skills, with a, who can engage with a long term um, uh, with a long term view to solve the problems that we have today, but also the, the problems that we have tomorrow. Uh, so, do you find, sorry, am I interrupting? Hmm. Do you find yourself uh, in Liverpool working with more startups, perhaps? So, so that's an, an area that maybe we have not explored as much as, as we could or, or we should, but certainly an area of, of focus for us to, to look at startups and, and what, what do they have uh, to offer. And I think the big advantage with the startups is that they're very good at getting an idea and maturing an idea to, to, uh, yeah. uh, to the point where it becomes relevant for a customer. Where they maybe struggle a little bit is to how do you then scale it and how do you make it... Uh, integrated into into all the other systems and working with startups i've done that for for many years too in, in, in different roles that i've had um i would say that the, the challenge is is not the the idea or, or the, the good concept 
the challenge is more how do you move from the proof of concept to to something that is integrated at scale mm-hmm. um, and then of course when you have a large company like like Lipa, you have a lot of legacy systems and you need mm-hmm. to to fit in in order to to be able to integrate your your services and that's uh, again from my experience that that's the, the the harder part that creates a lot of frustration on on our side and on the side of, of the startups that, yeah. <laughs> that we work with and yeah. so, so that's sort of the, the tough part to, to overcome but, but yes we we work with a lot of, of startups too and maybe the the other partnership i i, I want to, to also emphasize and i mentioned it before that is a partnering with with our customers to make sure that we can we can do this i guess co-creation is a word with the customers to also understand what are the next big things that, that they look like mm-hmm. uh, that they look at uh, in order to develop their uh, their businesses and that allows us to sort of yeah put the finger in the earth directly with the customers to, to see what's what's happening and then what's moving uh, out in the field and then what's uh, how they see their uh, businesses develop over time. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm assuming the organizations, albeit startups or not, that you engage quite heavily with now in this day and age is more those um, with AI experiences and those sort of the, the AI tech companies, surely. It is really a broad range of, of companies. So, so yes, a lot of, uh, of analytics and, and AI companies, uh, there are some, um, you could say, more focused on, on, on sensor technology. Or, or so, so we really have a broad range of, of topics that we are scouting uh, to make sure that we partner with the right ones and we put the right inspiration into, into our organization. Yeah. And not, not every partnership. Yeah. I, I think every partnership is, is successful in, in terms that, that we are both from each other. But it doesn't mean that it, it leads to a, a an acquisition or, or yes. a purchase. But but I think we all learn in the process, and that's in many ways the most important aspect. Well, that you're pretty much open to whatever options that are available there to you. Absolutely. Um, in your role as head of digital, um, who are you currently working closely with, and to? in your organization. Where does the digitization agenda and transformation sit in your organization? And is that the best place and why? <laughs> yeah, so, so again, no. it's, uh, <laughs> you're not going to get a black or white answer from me here. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but certainly, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm at the group level. So, so we have our 11 divisions uh, that are quite uh, independently uh, run uh, yes. in the LIPA group. And then we have the whole group. Where, where, where I sit and, and, um, and try to drive some of the, the coordination and the communality uh, across mm-hmm. our, our, different, uh, our different business units. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think and that's actually a very fundamental belief for me. Uh, I've said it before, it, you, you need to, to start at the customer. So you need to have the, the digital ability out at uh, what I call the sharp end of the business where, where you as a business, you meet with, with your customers. And that's where that's the interface where a lot of the ideas are generated, where you get the innovation, where you get the push mm-hmm. to do something differently from, from what you have done in, in the past. So I, I'm a firm believer in, in, in pushing out the digital uh, as far to, towards the customer as possible. Now, it is clear also that it is, it is very inefficient to, to then create uh, all these centers of, of excellence and then development uh, hubs mm-hmm. and then I don't know, 10 different relationships with, with different cloud providers. So there's certainly a centralization that is, is beneficial and you need to create that ecosystem or backbone 
centrally that is um, that that facilitates uh, facilitates a business. So it's really a little bit a a um, uh, yeah an interaction or a pendulum uh, effect. And I also think that you could say in, in the early days uh, there's probably a benefit to 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 centralize and sort of to to set out a direction of what is it that we want to do. And once we all have have set out on on the path. Um, then, then there's uh, probably a bit more uh, decentralizing, uh, decentralized organization that is more efficient. Um, so it, it could be that the pendulum is swinging a little bit from from centralization to decentralization, depending on on the maturity of the organization and the products uh, that, that we mm -hmm. develop. No, that's that's an ongoing debate, and I've seen many articles about the advantages and the disadvantages <laughs> exactly. of both. So you know, I'm not going to. I'm going to sit on the fence on that one. I'm not going to sort of yeah. tell you where. I think, I think another area which which maybe sometimes is a little bit overlooked when when we uh, when we talk about hiring uh, digital talent, that's a question of of, of staff uh, retention. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've been in roles in, in the past where where we were trying to do some some new cool technology digital stuff, and and we would hire one person here and, and one person mm -hmm. there. And then these new people, they come into to an organization of, of mechanical engineers and they sort of uh, stand up around their desk, desk and they look around and they ask, they ask themselves, what is my next move here? Everybody around me is a mechanical engineer. What can I do for, for my next move? So, so you end up with, with these scattered mm -hmm. uh, resources in, in some way, uh, they, they will do their job and they'll do it very well. But then maybe they will, they will uh, move on and, and you, you uh, lose the um, the knowledge that they have built up, yeah. So, so I think it is for, from a staff perspective, it is important to to sort of build up a community or a hub where people can can feel at home. Mm -hmm. And then, then again, in, in in our industry, our our manufacturing sites are not always in in the places that that young people would uh, would like to live. Um, yeah. So in, in small villages in in the countryside. Uh, so so there's also an opportunity to. To maybe move some of those functions to to university towns and then cities where where it's a bit more attractive for that kind of talent to to join. Mm -hmm. right. but um, you know, just to broaden this question a, a little, because I've asked this question sort of in, in different ways with different individuals and different guests. Now, with the, the this whole drive for digitalization, and and looking at the executive table, um. I would speak to one guest and he would say that it really needs to sit around the CFO space and in that uh, space when another would say it really needs to sit around the, the data, sorry, the information technology, the CIO sta um, space. <laughs> Which one would you say is right? <laughs> yeah, again, I don't know if it's, if it's uh, right or, or wrong. Mm -hmm. Clearly it is, a, it is sort of this uh, field of tension uh, between the, uh, the the business and and the IT and and I think, I mean I'm I'm more in favor of aligning it with with the, the core business, mm -hmm. uh, simply because I'm I'm uh, as I said a couple of times before I'm, I'm a little bit worried that that you if you get too technology driven, um, you you lose a little bit of the focus on the mm -hmm. customer. And so so I think that that's for me sort of the the, the driving uh, the driving element, um, oh. and and I mean. That, I, I don't have any sort of IT uh, part in, in, in my organization, but obviously I, I work extremely closely with, with the IT organization. Mm -hmm. um, but, mm -hmm. but it is two different, um, two separate entities. Mm 
Yeah. Okay, right. Um, a, a simple question, I hope. Um, what is BIM and <laughs> use in your organization? Yeah, so it's, it's a good example. We have to start with answering the question first. So, so BIM stands for building information modeling, and, and that's essentially systems that, that our customers use when, when they're building uh, houses and uh, large mm -hmm. buildings. Um, and it's sort of moving out in, in different parts of, of the construction industry also into, into more earth moving now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's uh, uh, I mean, at the face of it, it's not a complicated technology, but it's, it's really, a, you could say, a collaborative piece of software where all these contractors on the job site can, can log in and you can make sure that you manage your, your designs, your updates, your, your changes uh, well. You can manage your, your logistics, so you make sure that you, you, you get the radiators in place before you put your, your windows in or whatever order you want to, to, to build your building, so you don't have, um, so, so your logistics flow is, is up, uh, optimal. And in the last couple of years, there, there have been added a lot of uh, new dimensions to also um, track some of the materials that are being used, uh, what is the environmental impact? What is uh, the cost uh, of, of each of the, the, the materials used? So actually, the, the BIM uh, system ends up building a, few, a full digital twin of, of whatever mm -hmm. house that, that you are delivering. And that's, uh, I think that's, that's the exciting part that it's sort of moving beyond just the construction process, but now also to the um, in use and, and maintenance process and, and you you, you mm. can start with this full digital twin really of of your building to 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 manage that more efficiently mm. right that sounds it's exciting um okay let's look at something um big here that, that, that's very much in your area of um work and expertise smart cities Mm -hmm. um, in the digital um, context, I know very little about them. What are they uh, and what are you excited about here? Is this driven by sus uh, the sustainability agenda or digitalization? Um, yeah, I think it's. I think there are many drivers. Uh, there, there are many drivers in, in this area and, and I think there's probably as many divisions on smart cities as, as there are people. Um, so, so I think it's it's something that needs to, to settle down a little bit in order to, to be better defined and sort of better better driven. Um, the, the, the sort of definition that, that I go with uh, is that it's, it's, it's really about how do you use your digital tools to solve real citizen problems. Um, so again, I mean, in the same vein as I, I just talked about the customer problems and uh, I've seen you know, all these smart city indexes and, and essentially it boils down to, to how fast is your broadband or how many gadgets do you have per square kilometer. And I don't think those are necessarily good uh, definitions because they are more sort of uh, technology driven than, than actually solution driven. So, so, so I'm more for a, a more uh, solution driven definition. And then also the, the, the complexities, I mean, no two cities are, are really the same. So it's about how do you how do you analyze and understand the problems of, of your citizens uh, where in one place it may be uh, congestion in other places it may be how do you interact with your city authorities and there could be uh, other things that that point to, to the top of the list in, in, in different mm -hmm. places so mm -hmm. so so again it's, it's not sort of a uniform uh, definition that's for me what what really makes it quite exciting that complexity uh, that it drives and really to to uh, to understand what are the problems that we are setting out to solve, 
and uh, what, what are the tools in our hands in our toolbox to, to solve those uh, mm -hmm. solve those problems? Can, can you give us examples of where this is working well? I mean, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to visualize this if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been looking a little bit on, on, on Singapore, for example, so they have done, um, obviously that's an established city and it's, uh, it's uh, I would say, difficult to maybe build a, a good twin of, of something that is established because there's a lot of history that may not be well documented and you have mm -hmm. to dig deep into the analog world to, to create that too. Um, but, but they have made a, a full, uh, you could say, 3D model of, of the city, and then they can use that for planning purposes, for, for crowd uh, simulation, crowd control. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have sort of, um, I mean, they, they can simulate uh, catastrophes and say, how do you evacuate people mm -hmm. uh, quickly? They can simulate uh, traffic uh, congestion and, and, and things like that. So, mm -hmm. so I think that they're quite, they're quite far, and they have also pushed the, the agenda on on that, the admin, administrative side uh, quite far. So how do you interact with the, with the city authorities? And on, on that, uh, taking that to a totally different place, you know, the country of, of Estonia has, has also pushed uh, the whole digitalization of their public administration very far, mm -hmm. uh, which, I, which I think is, is, is quite exciting. And then I, I think there are some of the new projects uh, coming up. I, I think it was just this week, earlier this week, there was a, the launch announcement in, in Saudi Arabia of, of uh, NEOM, I think the, the line uh, they call it, where mm -hmm. that's an opportunity to, to build a, 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 an entirely new city from, from a, a clean sheet of paper yeah. that, that brings so many opportunities and, and exciting prospects yeah. uh, when you can start from scratch and you have no legacy that you need to. to that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, how do you implement that in an already established city whereas if you've got a, like a green space so to speak like <laughs> Saudi Arabia, I can understand you creating that and modeling that but how do you do that when there's something that's already established and been there for hundreds and hundreds of years yeah and again I think it comes down to saying what are what are the, the biggest problems that, that we are trying to solve and then work your way down down the list and of course have a view on, on the infrastructure that you set up and yeah not not roads and uh, um, and and rail, but but more sort of what is the digital infrastructure that you set up in yeah. order for you to be able to accommodate whatever future uh, elements that, that you'll get. Another very exciting um, uh, aspect to this is I have I have a lot of friends who are very excited about the new uh, the new phones coming out with with lidar and and you can scan everything. So so you can easily imagine that in a few years time when when everybody is walking around with the leader enabled uh, handheld devices that that the models of, of what we have uh, it's, it's it's orders of magnitude better than than what we can see on, on Google Maps mm -hmm. or, or similar today so so there's there's so many possibilities that are mm -hmm. even hard to imagine uh, with um, the that we have so you, you kind of nicely put me onto the, the the final question um you've touched upon some of the the stuff in terms of the, the smartphones. Um, what other technological potentials do you believe has yet to be realized within your organization and industry that you can outline and visualize for us? Um, what should we look forward to in your industry and then beyond? 
Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless, and, and I will not pretend that, that that I can imagine what's uh, what's yeah. going to happen. Surely, you must. <laughs> but but <be>. I think uh, <laughs> your engineering background um, is, is is not helping you at this moment. <laughs> okay. Um, but but a, a couple of, of things that that could come up is uh, uh, sort of my 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 expression of it is to to say the, the cognitive uh, job site. So to really have a job site where where you, you you know real time what is happening, you know what is your your ten next project project steps. Um, you, you have uh, uh, you could say a live planning software running in in the background that will constantly run what if scenarios. What if we have bad weather for the next ten ten days? What how does uh, the project then look like? What if we have a supplier disruption? What does it look like? What if all of a sudden we can put another machines on, on the job site? What does that look like? Um, so so you, you, I, I think we'll have a lot more dynamic planning and execution of, yeah. of construction yeah. jobs in, in yeah. the future. Um, huh. And then, of course, the, the, the other part of that is uh, uh, also the equipment will, will get a lot more functionality and, and maybe greater, greater autonomy that, that you could imagine processes already with today's technology that can be, be fully uh, automated. And I think that's also going to, to grow. I think we are a long way away from, from, from you could say, seeing totally autonomous uh, equipment on, on, on job sites. There also needs to be, to be some control over that, but, but it's certainly going in, in that direction. When you say a long way away, what are we talking about? 10, 50 years? What's a long way? It's, it's, really, it's really hard to say. And I think it will, it will come uh, in, in increments. Um, so, so already today, we have look at the, the farming uh, industry. Uh, you have uh, one person on, on a tractor who can control a fleet of, of tractors in, in the field, and that's the kind of things that, that you can see, and that's how, how things will, will evolve. Um, and, and the moment you, you start uh, digging in, in the ground and, and moving, uh, moving something that is not necessarily homogeneous, um, you, you, you need a lot of sort of cognitive ability to, to be able to deal with the, the unforeseen events. Um, and that's sort of driving a lot of the complexity in there. So, so but, but there will be, I mean, there, there are processes that are 100% that are autonomous uh, today, such as mm -hmm. uh, compaction, uh, which is a fairly simple task. Um, so, so that's there today. Other processes will take, will take a lot longer. Yeah. And, and presumably um, roles will change um, as a result of that. Um, yeah, again, I talked a bit about staff retention uh, before, and, and that's also a reality for, for our customers and on the construction side. It's, it's, it's hard to find uh, machine operators today, and, uh, and that the young people who, who, um, who are attracted to, to the industry, they are also, you could say, uh, oftentimes they have grown up with, with gaming and, and understanding how, yeah. how you deal with joysticks rather than the steering wheel, maybe. So, so it's... Uh, uh, yeah. It is a new generation of people that are coming up, and of course, our equipment needs to, to, to respond to that too. So, so it's one of those wait and sees, isn't it? Um, Carl Jesperson, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors guests and you 
for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.